Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 135 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to go out on the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for being here this week, and thanks for tuning into the show. Now, we're all dealing with the whole lockdown situation, and hope everybody's keeping well and uh, not going too crazy uh, over these times. But it affects more than just us, the riders. You know, it affects businesses, it affects everybody in every way. And in this week's show... We are chatting with somebody that it also affects, and you may not even think about it in such a way, but we're chatting with Paul Judd. Now, Paul is the founder and the owner of 67 Factory Racing, and it's a very, very cool apparel brand. So I reached out to Paul after seeing his brand on the backs of many a rider across social media and asked if he would be keen to come on the show and tell us a little more about his brand, his passion for riding, his racing career, and giving back to his local race and rider community. Now, the lockdown thing has affected Paul so much that he made the decision to stop selling via the website just to halt production for this time, just to help out his manufacturer, help out their workers, and everything else that's going on. So it was a very conscious effort, and I believe a correct one to do. So we'll get into that with Paul. We'll chat to him about that. He's very, very community-focused, and he's you know, he's very, very keen on giving back to his local community, and that's why he started the brand in the first place. We'll chat to him about things like that. We'll get into the popularity of his brand and how he's built it up steadily over the last number of years. We'll chat about his vision for the brand, how he comes up with all the cool designs, everything else that goes into that. Um, So it's a great episode. It was great to get Paul on the show. He's super stoked about Two Wheels. Loves the whole the whole industry so much and it's great to have somebody so stoked on mountain biking and, and believes there's a good future and it's, it's growing and it will be healthy for the near future. We get into all that in this week's episode. So without further ado, let's get Paul on the show. Let's hear about 6-7 Factory Racing and welcome Paul to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hi Paul, welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. How's things with you sir? All good this end, sir. Very well, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on, bro. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and having a chat with us. Well, it's all right. We've got a bit of time on our hands at the moment. Unfortunately, man, unfortunately. Um, how's it all going for you over there? Not too bad. I mean, it is what it is, isn't it? Um, we just got to ride the storm. And um, it's it's not forever. So, you know, we've just, we've just got to... We've all just got to pull together and do what we've got to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, you have a company called Six Seven Factory Racing. Um, how's that kind of affected by the lockdown? Now I know we chatted earlier before we we pressed the big red go button there, and it, it's not your full time gig. But how how's it getting affected by the lockdown? Well, we, we, we've we've basically we've had to stop trading for now. Um, we tried to keep going. Just basically, you know, because our suppliers, we wanted to carry on to supporting them. And and obviously people are stuck at home, so it's nicer for them to have something to look forward to if they buy a T-shirt or whatever. But um, last week, we were contacted by our suppliers. They were starting to struggle to get supply of the the base garments that they print onto. So we just took the decision. We didn't want to be letting people down. So we took the decision last week to just put things on pause until it blows over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's the problem. And I think people don't think about that, but the distribution of things is affected because it's only kind of, uh, you know, requirements that are being posted out and a lot of stuff's being held behind uh, if it's not a requirement. So, yeah. Um, and it's affected you that way. That's interesting now. It's crazy, huh? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Again, I mean, it's a shame because we literally, about three weeks previous, just launched the 2020 range, which we'd worked hard on over winter. And um, so we'd literally just launched. And we're really excited because we've got a, 
we'd introduced a lot of new stuff over, over previous years. We, you know, we've been asked for various things that just sort of it was it was more down to demand and budget that we couldn't include in the range. But this year we've changed. We've had to change suppliers, and um, it opened up a whole new sort of world for us. And we were able to do things people are asking for. You know, just things like snapback um, caps and beanies and people believe it or not been asking me for vests you know sleeveless t-shirts and things so it opened that up for us and we we're really excited about it and but um you know like i say we've in, initially when we launched we had a really good reaction to it but you know three weeks three weeks in we've we've had to hit the pause button but you know we're not the only ones in the uh, in this situation so we've just got to ride yeah. The yeah and would you have a lot of stocks sitting there Paul, waiting to go out, or? Well, no, because uh, fortunately, um, this year we we took the decision to switch to drop shipping. Um, over the previous years, we've <clears throat> again, it's it's all down to budget and 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 stockholding, and you know you've got to second guess what colours and what sizes are going to sell, and at the end of the year, you end up with a certain amount of stuff that you've got to sell on sale because mm-hmm. it's not sold maybe extra smalls or triple xls or things like that or certain colors and <clears throat> and so we took the decision to we were, our hand was kind of forced because just before christmas our previous suppliers um they basically they closed the doors they had some problems we don't know what they were but they closed the doors so we were, our hand was forced so we looked into it and we spoke to some other people within the industry and we switched to drop shipping so we don't hold any stock anymore mm-hmm. which is a fortunate thing with the situation that we've now got because um everything is how it's all set up now is somebody places an order on our website obviously it comes through us but it's it's then handled at the other end by our suppliers and they will pick at the blank t-shirt they'll print it they'll pack it and they'll ship it with all our bits and bobs and they do everything for us and so it's it's great and that's what's that's what's freed us up to be able to do those extra things you know we've added in the kiddie range um <clears throat> we've added you know we've we've managed to expand the, the 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 ladies range and things like that so it like i say it's opened up a whole new world for us which is great mm-hmm. yeah because holding stock when when this is something you're doing on a part-time basis you're probably doing it for the love of the thing more than anything um to hold stock is just such a crystal ball thing, you know. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, when I set this up, um, <clears throat> I mean, I've been, I've been in and around the industry. I've been riding. I got my first mountain bike in 1986, I think it was. Um, but previous to that, I was doing BMX racing as a as a youth and as, as a kid. So I've been riding bikes pretty much all my life. Um, <clears throat> I started racing on the cross country scene about 1990, um, but you know I kind of set this up four years ago. Now it's something that had been on the back burner for for many years, and it was only ever supposed to be something that I say a bit of fun. I was never looking for it to be a main income, but I've always wanted to do something that kind of give give back to the sport type thing. And you know if we can generate some income from it we can give back into the sport i.e help riders out and things like that so that was that was kind of the whole mm-hmm. remit of it um but yeah like you say with the stock thing i mean our first year i mean we ended up with a load of stock left at the end of the year and we we went to peter's and sold most of it um you know just just to get rid of it but um yeah just second guessing is is uh, you do need a crystal ball for it i really you really do Mm-hmm. yeah you're always there's always going to be a color or a couple of colors or a print or a design or a size there's going to be something that never works absolutely you know um and absolutely. you know i've been involved in the retail industry for quite a while and in situations like that if you the profit you make throughout selling stuff which sells good you lose when you have to go to seal so absolutely. you're kind of always chasing your deal almost you know yeah, I mean, and like I say, we we want to be putting, we kind of be wanting to put money back into the sport. I mean, I take nothing out of it, and so 
<clears throat> for the last uh, three years, we've you know we've we've given prizes out to the Pedal Hound series, or we've given prizes out to the Tweedlove series, which for me is an absolute buzz. You know that that's that's the reward for me to to be at an event because I go and I go and race all these events as well, and to be at an event and see somebody going up on a podium and getting as amongst their other things, you know, getting a t-shirt or a hoodie or a beanie or something f- from us is not that's an absolute buzz for me. That's, that's mm-hmm. what I do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the initial idea for it, Paul, did it just come, come around from wanting to give back? Had you any kind of experience in the fashion industry or the clothing industry? Uh, before I mean, I'd, I'd dip my toe in the water and a number of years ago. I, um, I dropped out of, what I was doing at the time and I kind of I bummed around for a couple of years working within the motocross industry and nice. uh, I worked for another clothing brand uh, which is now defunct now and um, while I was there doing that and they were they were in, they were involved in motocross and mountain biking but you know they had they had ambassadors for, for both for, for both mm-hmm. but um, while I was there there was the graphic designer there he he came up with a logo just because at the time I was racing motocross and I, the number I ran was 67. And um, he just came up with a logo one day, just messing around. He said, oh, I've been playing around and, I've, you know, I've come up with this logo. <coughs> Excuse me. And I sat on that for about 12 years. <laughs> I just I just kept it and thought one day. One day I'll do something with it. One day I'm going to do something with it. And like I say, just four, maybe four and a half years ago, I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And we just got some T-shirts and hoodies printed and um, and just kind of started selling them, you know, like that. And it, and it kind of it kind of built. And I've got – I have got a loyal following, um, which I'm very grateful for. Um, you know, it's great to see repeat business. But um, – Equally, when you get you get new customers, that's that's a real buzz again to get new customers. So yeah, and it's just it's just it's kind of just grown slowly, slowly, slowly from there. I mean, when you're competing against the, the likes of the big brands, um, you know, I'm never I'm, I'm never going to get to the likes of you know sort of Fox and Troy Lee, but um, mm-hmm. it, it's just it's just great to go to to any event or anywhere and and see somebody in something that you've produced is great i was i was actually marshalling at a tweedlove event a couple of years ago um i couldn't ride because of my, my rotator cuff injury that i told you about <clears throat> and uh, a guy rocked up onto the start of one of the stages and he'd got one of our t-shirts on and and that is just you know what i mean it's it's amazing i love it yeah yeah it's it's going to be quite a surreal experience that seeing somebody you know with your brand on and your your T-shirt on your product, and you're standing there and thinking he doesn't even know who I am. No, you know? it's, it's do you know what I love it? It's 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 why I do it, and I'm you know I'm not bothered about making money out of it. I mean, it's you know any 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 profit we've made over the years has has gone back into doing something. You know, we've we've got a number of ambassadors that we we sort of help out and uh we've got events that we've sponsored this year we we tied in with the welsh enduro series which i was really excited about hopefully once this uh once this blows over we can uh, we can get back racing and uh and get to those events and start handing out prizes at, at those events um mm. so yeah it's it is it's great that's why i do it i, I just love it mm-hmm. yeah and initially You've got your website and all up now, where people can, you know, uh, purchase the product from, of course. But initially, were you selling through events? Were you going to events, setting up stalls, doing that kind of thing? No, I've, that's that's been the goal to, you know, to do events. That was that was that's again, and that is my dream to be able to go go to events. But again, going back to the whole stock thing and the and the cash flow thing, the the amount you need to invest. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to go to events um, half cocked. You know, I wanted to go. I wanted to have a good presence. I didn't want to just turn up with a pasting table and a few T-shirts. You know, so I wanted it to. I wanted the whole easy up and and flags and 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 a, and a good amount of stock and it looked really professional. But you know, you you've got to invest thousands 
into mm-hmm. it before you even get started on that. So that we've never got to we've never got to that. Our sales are literally generated through social media and probably word of mouth and people seeing other people um, at events and things like that. And that's kind of how it's how it's gone. I mean, hopefully one day we'll make enough money that we can look at investing into you know into being at getting to events because that that would be great i'd love to do i mean i go to all these events anyway you know i've, I've got a, mm. i've got a nice van i can i can set up so you know the dream was that we we go to all these events and we set up and trade my wife can do do the uh, looking after the stall and i can go out and race mm-hmm. yeah, that's a great setup there <laughs> it's a dream isn't it <laughs> it certainly is and you know, it's interesting when you start looking into this, and there's quite a lot of small niche brands like yourself out there doing doing that thing. Like when you started it, I know it was for different reasons, but did you ever think you would have to compete, or how you were going to compete against the likes of Fox or Troy Lee or any of those big dudes? No, it never crossed my mind. It, I say it, it, it was. It's just. I, I kind of I. I I just I do it for, for the buzz of it, really. I mean, look, it would be great to get to that point. It really would, but it, it was it was it was furthest from my mind when I set it up. We and like I said, the reward I get f- from it is going to events and seeing people wearing our gear. You know, that's a real buzz. I mean, you know what? I, I get a buzz from somebody post a picture on social media of uh, of their fridge and one of our stickers in amongst the you know Fox and Troy Lee stickers. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah it's pretty cool that it really is um i sent out a bunch of you know mtb tribe stickers and stuff and when you see people with them on the back of their laptop or something like that or slapped in the side of their van beside whatever it's uh it's like wow cool look at that that's pretty cool huh? that's great. i love it i love it <laughs> cool uh, so, uh oh yeah like stickers every brand has to have stickers you know oh, absolutely um uh, Let's chat a wee bit about your background. We'll get back into the six seven thing in a little bit, but you obviously have raced and stuff like that. Let's chat a wee bit about that. So, what actually initially got you involved in mountain biking? Well, BMX, let's say for a start. Well, I mean, I taught myself to ride a bike probably when I was about four or five. Well, without stabilizers, I should say. I remember, I remember, I used to wear my bike up to the top of a hill in the village where I lived. And just roll down it until, until you know I, I could learn to balance. And and I've always never been on I've always been on bikes. I, I always joke that I was one of the um, the found, founding fathers of mountain bike because, um, like probably lots of others, um, I would I would take old racing bikes and put motocross bars on, you know, a set of cowhorns, and we'd go off doing jumps and racing around woods and things like that. You know, way back in the day, probably before yeah. Joe Breeze and all them guys were, were doing it but so i always joke that i was one of the founding fathers of um mountain bike and i just didn't paint into it but um but yeah and it, it's always been about bikes for me literally i'm obsessed with them and then obviously um the bmxing thing took over and probably show my age now but the, the bmxing thing sort of took over and um i probably started racing bmx when i was about ooh, 12 maybe and I did that through until I left school and discovered uh, beer and girls, I think. It's the norm. It's the That's norm. what normally happens. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then um, <clears throat> 1986, I bought my first mountain bike, and um, I'd still got that sort of competitive spirit thing going on. And I just, I just went out. I bought a mountain bike. It's literally just to commute on to get to work and things. And then I just started riding off road, and then riding with a club. And then I started entering local cross country events. That was probably about uh, 1991-ish, probably. And then I did, I did cross country events at regional level for a number of years. And then. Um, I met a guy, but he's, he's, we still ride together. He's probably my best friend, uh, a guy called James Griffiths. He was a mechanic at a local bike shop, and we he talked me into doing a downhill race, and I'd, I'd literally got a fully rigid uh, sort of hardtail thing that I'd built up, <laughs> built up just to mess around on. And um, you'd, probably, you'd probably just use it as a bit of a jump bike now, but I went, went and raced a downhill race on it, and I got hooked. 
so then I did I did the downhills and, and and by the end of that year I was doing I was doing the nationals I did my first national up at Innerleith and on a, wow. a a pro flex beast with with a disc brake on the front and a and a uh, a Magura hydraulic rim brake on the rear. Oh, um, that was my first that was my first national downhill, and I, I, I and I've just been hooked. Um, that was it then really, and then sort of I, I fell out of mountain biking for twelve years. Didn't fall out of love with it, but I fell out of it because we were we were going off and doing the um, We'd all got motocross bikes that we were using to sort of get through in the winter, and we were going off. And, we'd go off and do. Steve Pate used to run um, a motocross race once a year up at um, oh, Finningley, I think it was, um, mm-hmm. Doncaster, on a big sand track. And uh, you know, you'd line up on the start line that next to you know you've got like Rob Warner on one side of you and Scott Beaumont on the other, and Buster Beaver, you know, and, and you'd line up on and bikes and we'd race each other. And, but then. The whole foot and mouth thing kicked off. I think it's 2001, and mm-hmm. go and ride or race anywhere. And motocross took over, took over my life. And I did. I didn't do it at any level, but I just rode motocross for about 12 years. And then, um, and then, about eight nine years ago, I really discovered my love for mountain bike. Yeah, wow, it's interesting, man, isn't it? You know that. It's crazy, and like I'm sure you have seen the scene change so much, and and pretty often, to be honest. Like, how does it differ now from when you started back in the days there? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know how we used to, uh, I don't know how we used to get down the uh, down the hills on the bikes we used to ride. I really don't. I mean, I've, I've got, I've, I've got a few bikes, but you know, I've got, I've got a hardtail cross country bike, and um, you know, I, I sort of. I think twice about riding down some, well, I wouldn't call silly stuff, but you know some of the stuff on it. And you think back in the day, the stuff you used to ride on your on on the old bikes we used to ride, it was it was it was ridiculous. I mean, obviously, I was a lot I was a lot younger and a lot braver then. But um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's evolved so much, isn't it? And, and especially now with well, all disciplines have evolved, but you know, with the onset of uh, the old enduro, which is you know, pretty much what we were all doing back in the day, anyway. But I mean, that format is—I th- I think it's—it's it's taken it to another level. It really has. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's—I'll probably get shot for this, but I think it's—I think it's the ultimate test of of riders. I really do. Yeah, you know, I think it works on so many levels because it's the majority of people that are weekend warriors can enter an enduro race, mm-hmm. and you know, and okay, they're not going there to. You know, obviously they would like to, but they're not going there to stand on a podium. They're just going there for the social event, to have a bit of friends, a bit of fun with friends, to ride with mates, to ride with new riders, to challenge themselves. It just it ticks so many boxes that enduro thing. Absolutely, I mean that's 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 why I started racing enduro because it was it was one one it was one it was a personal challenge, but also it was it was a chance to go in a lot of the events. It was a chance to go and race race or ride on stuff that you probably wouldn't normally be have have access to mm-hmm. and so it was, it was riding it was riding some different stuff and and i mean it was it was a steep learning curve for me that's for sure because we mm. were going up you know my, we were going up and, and doing the tweed loves up around Inerleith and, and and the golfy trails and uh yeah I had, to, I had to quickly learn to um to ride steep rooty stuff that's for sure yeah 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 because you were more you came from more of a cross uh a cross country background at that stage would that be right uh, yeah i mean it's like i say i'd i'd thrown i'd thrown myself into the into the downhill for a few years two probably three or four years <clears throat> but like i said i mean the, the tracks have changed and the tracks has changed them massively i mean you you look back in the day where the likes when steve steve pete and rob warner were were racing I and mean, nothing to take anything away from them but you know i watched some footage that rob warner posted recently he's in a skin suit and and the, i can't remember where the track was now but you know it was, it was all it was almost like a flat out fire road all the way down almost you know and and you look at what the stuff the, the stuff the guys are racing on now it's just it's just a whole different world i, I was um I was watching a, a live um, Instagram chat thing that Tani and um, Miriam Nicole were doing the other night. They were just kind of chatting to each other and answering questions. 
and I asked the question, um, any plans to race enduro? And they both qu- very quickly said no. And I asked, okay. And they said, because it's too hard, it's too gnarly. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because everything seems to be getting closer, right? Like XC courses seem to be getting, you know, more difficult sections and them steeper sections and them. The enduro stuff now seems to be pretty crazy at sections where you need to be top class to be able to ride it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the enduro bikes, they're becoming, I'm not going to say like a downhill bike, but they're, they're, the geometry is definitely going that way in a, a, in a sense. I wish I'd had a bike like my enduro bike when I was racing downhill. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, like it's crazy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, you, you look at the EWS um, events last year, some of the stuff, um, North Star, they went and raced. I mean, that, that was just, it just looked like one big rock garden. And you're doing that on basically, it's almost a trail bike. It's, it, it's, you know, it was crazy. I, I wouldn't have fancied it at all. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose the other thing, and, you will know this from experience from the downhill scene as well. When you do the downhill, you're doing one track. So it's a bit easier to get your bike set up and to learn the, the track mm-hmm. of the trail. Whereas in Juro, you're doing five or six different trails. Um, so like, how do you ever, is it more difficult? Like, how do you ever learn those trails? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I've got, I've got a standing joke with my wife because um, I'll always go out and ride practice where I can. Uh, but I very rarely remember anything, you know, she, she always says to me, I don't, I don't know why you ride practice. You just go and tie yourself out. But it's for me, it's just more time on the bike. It's more riding. I'm, I'm, I'm always happy when I'm on the bike, so I'm not going to turn down the opportunity to ride, but it's so difficult to remember it. Obviously the top boys have probably got a much better way of memorizing the courses than I have. But, um, it is difficult. You'll come into sections, and and as you as you're probably exiting the section, you'll be thinking to yourself, "Oh yeah, I remember that from practice. I should have gone higher on that line, or you know, whatever." It's mm-hmm. it, it is difficult, and then and then it's bike setup as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such they are such. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it is it's the ultimate test for a for a rider, and I like events that um, don't get me wrong. I, I like the stuff up at Golfy. I, I like it steep. I like it rooty. I, I, I don't mind a root, if I'm honest with you, or a rock. But, um, <clears throat> you know, they'll throw sections in where it might be a fire road sprint or it, it might be um, some stuff at the Glentrest Trail Centre or something like that. And you'll hear, you'll hear riders sort of complaining, saying, oh, it's too peddly or it's too this or it's too that. It's, well, that's what Enduro is about. For me, it's the ultimate test of of right of riding everything that you'd normally go out and ride mm-hmm. yeah and about the mountain bike industry then you've been around it for quite some time from bmx to to the mountain bike scene now like do you think the industry as a whole is quite healthy at the minute i like to think so it's it, it, looking from the outside in i i think so yeah um mm. i think <clears throat> I really am going to keep banging on about enduro, but I think that's that's made a, a massive impact on the industry. Obviously, um, with uh, you know, obviously the changing wheel size was 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 something that that keeps things moving forward and um, innovation. And I think, yeah, I, I think everything that's coming from that is it's, it's the industry. I'd like to think it is. I mean, I'll probably be told told differently by somebody that works, you know, within the industry for the likes of the big brands and that. But looking from the outside in, yeah, I'd say it is. Yeah. Like you would like, you know, obviously you've probably seen race numbers increase over the years. Would would I be correct in saying that, that it's more popular now as a, as a race scene than it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago? Um, <clears throat> again, I think the the race organisers would would probably beg to differ. I mean, the like the likes of the Tweedlove series, um, absolutely. I think um, the Hard Rock is 
you know the the turnout for that and the demand for that all the, all of the art you know series the art rock and the art malls and that the, the demand for that is is amazing but you still you still see um you still see some of the event organizers you know sort of kind of struggling i know um i know charlie at the welsh enduro uh, the welsh gravity series was sort of uh, pushing people to to enter i think people People tend to hold off. That's the problem. They they won't enter a whole series. They'll <clears throat> they'll enter you know one race and then see how that goes. And 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 I mean I suppose it's a big investment if you 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 um, you enter a whole series. But um, mm-hmm. you know it doesn't that doesn't help the race organisers uh, too much. I mean with the Tweed Love series, it's only a three race event. Uh, it's only a three race series. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Hard Rock is a one off, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's um, there's a lot of race series out there. Um, plenty for people to pick and choose from. You can go every anything from, <clears throat> you know, the big the PMBAs and your Tweed Loves, right? You know, and then to to the, the more regional ones, you know, like you know, like the Pedal Hounds and things like that. I mean, I I raced the whole Welsh series last year. I, I dipped my toe in the water the year before. Um, and just went and did a couple and Adrian that organizes it there. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great, it's, it's a really good feel good, um, event and series. And Mm -hmm. it's, uh, some good trails and that's a mix of, you know, steep techie stuff in Wales around, uh, Dovey around that way. And, you know, even one of them is at Landegla, which is all trail center stuff, which isn't my favorite. But um, but yeah, they, they always seem to be popular. So yeah, I'd like to think so that it's um, it's healthy. And I think you know, unfortunately, we're in this situation at the moment where none of us can get out and ride, let alone race. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that once this lifts at some point, that back at middle to back end of the year, we can get out and do some racing. And <clears throat> the race event organisers that have put all that hard work in over the winter to get things organized i'm hoping that you know we can get and do some races and and then them guys get some kind of rewards for the work they've put in over winter yeah yeah because it's a it's a yearly thing you know once once one event ends you're kind of planning for the next year well, straight away right. you know it takes well, so much I'm, effort i'm absolutely yeah i mean I, for me from a racing point of view i'm actually i'm, I'm absolutely addicted to it I, I did i did 12 events last year Wow, and I've got a, I've got, <clears throat> I've got eleven, I've got ten booked in for this year with another couple provisionals. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I know as soon, as soon as one one event finishes or, or you know the year races and finishes, I'm I'm looking to you know when the dates are coming out for the next ones, and it must be the same for the organisers. You know, it's, it's soon, probably even before the, the race series finishes, they're, they're probably putting things in place for the year after and getting things organized for that. So yeah. it's such a that we're in this situation, but mm-hmm. you know, the, having to cancel some races is, you know, it's not really, it's not, it doesn't really have a point of presence in significance compared to what other people are going through. So, you know, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the mountains will always be there. The races will be there next year if it, if it yeah. comes to that, you know. So, um, yeah, we don't really have a lot to complain about, to be honest. No. I mean, look, I mean, if we get if we get to a stage where they, you know, I'm not saying it will blow over, but um, we get to a point where we're allowed to actually go out and, and ride <coughs> freely again, th- that for me will be <coughs> amazing. I'm sure it will be for everybody else. You know, if we if we don't race, we don't race. But just to be able to get out and ride in the mountains and in the hills and in the forests again will be, I think everybody will appreciate it oh so much more when this is over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally agree, totally agree. Let's chat about, or if you want to chat about, I don't know your opinion on it, but what about e-bikes? What do you think about those? Uh, not got a problem with them whatsoever. They've got their oh. place, I think. You know, I've I've come across guys uh, out riding that um, it might be they've got some kind of medical condition. I rode with the guy, I didn't ride with him, but I rode along with him for a while. Um, he got a, you know got a heart defect, and it allow it allows him to go out and ride with his mates. And and so I think from that point of view, absolutely amazing. I, I don't doubt that <clears throat> at some point in my life, when 
I still don't get. Um, I, st- I, I think I'm some kind of sadist. I still like riding up hills, but at some point, <laughs> yeah, I know. At some at some point, uh, I don't. I don't like doing uplifts. I don't like. I don't like going to uplifts uh, because I, st- I miss riding up the hills to the top. I think. I think your reward for riding at the top is your descent. So I don't do uplift days, but um, but you know the e-bikes. It allows people to be able to do that, and absolutely, definitely, and and again, I think, you know, talking about the about the bike industry and you know how it's how it's doing, I would like to think that the e-bikes again, the onset of e-bikes has opened it up to a load more people. Um, mm-hmm. We we as a brand, we we not only help out some some of our ambassadors, uh, or majority of our ambassadors are mountain bike riders, but we've got a couple of sort of uh, others and, and one of them is a young motocross rider and he rides British nationals um, and his dad I used to race BMX with back in the day he's his knees are absolutely shot from motocross from years of motocross his dad and over winter I was taking his his lad out um, on the mountain bikes for some training and one of the days we went to Canic Chase and his dad came with us and he hired an e-bike and he came out riding with us. Well, that was it. That, that opened up a whole new world for him. And he was then he was able to go and ride with his son around Canuck on an e-bike, whereas he'd not been able to do anything like that before. So, absolutely, they've got their place and fair play to um, fair play to anybody that's um, that's on them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I tend to agree. I I think certainly they're they're a good thing they're getting more people out they're getting people that maybe wouldn't think about going out they're getting them out absolutely yeah it can only be good and you know i think for the bike brands as well they're selling so many of these things you know and there's so many you know i'm kind of i'm conflicted when i when i look at bike brands because I think the industry's probably at a peak or almost at a peak, and it may, over the next five or six years, you may see it dropping a little. Mm-hmm. But there's so many bike brands out there. You know, if that kind of thing ha- happens, there's bound to be a load of those guys fall by the wayside, you would think. There's so much product. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, every day you see a brand that you've never heard of before. It's, it's, it's just nuts. Um but I think the bike, you know, the e-bike thing for a lot of brands has really allowed them to put more money into development and, and stuff like that um, off of those. Um, so I think it's good. I think it's good for the industry as a whole. It's good for sport. It's good to get people out. It's good to pe- get people maybe leaving their car at home and using an e-bike to go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those kind of things. So, yeah, I tend to agree with you. Yeah, they 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 do uh, they do need to fit bells to them though because uh, you know they the guys on the e-bikes always creep up behind you on a climb and um, and come whizzing past you and scare you to scare the living daylights out of you. <laughs> yeah, we need to get some some big fork horns in these things or something. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Well, let's jump back into six seven if you don't mind, Paul. We'll chat a wee bit more about that. <laughs> Um, now, I love your designs and everything you've got going on there. Who does all your designs for you? Is that something you do yourself? Or? Uh, well, I kind of, you probably, you'll probably notice there's a bit of a thing that runs through with uh, the 6, 7 stuff. And it's it's what I like to call cheap, uh, cheesy, um, oh God, I, I, I forgot what I'm calling them now. Um, cheesy, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, cheesy slogans. But, you know, it's. I worked for another clothing, like I say, back in the day, I worked for uh, another clothing brand, and that was kind of his thing. Um, it was these, it was these slogans that people bought into them. I mean, you know, nobody's, in my my view, nobody's going to buy a six seven t shirt because it's got six seven on it. Um, they don't know me from Adam, but they mm-hmm. they'll buy a t shirt that's got a slogan that sort of kind of rings true with them. Um, and so, you know, some of the slogans that we've got, um, the hold it wide, let it slide. Uh, and things like that you know it's mm-hmm. it's just kind of things that you hear when you're out riding or you might see on you know on social media or something you know somebody might say a race and you think oh you know what that that's we could put that on a t-shirt and say you know we we put them on t-shirts and and it, it sells it's they you know it's what sells i mean 
we can leave all the cool designs to the other brands because people will buy cool cool brand cool designs from the likes of you know Troy Lee and people like that and <clears throat> but um but yeah we, it's it's what sells and so I kind of I kind of hear them I wouldn't say I come up with them but I'll hear them and think oh let's drop that on and then I've got a good friend um who's also a, a, a mountain biker and uh he's a graphic designer and and so he puts pen to paper as as, as such and uh he'll kind of come up with I mean it's just it's more the it's more the fonts and and the, and the designs and stuff and we sort of and we just go from there really i mean we've we've, we've got a couple of cool ones i mean we've got uh we've got a a design that's it's basically it's a candy skull and a full face helmet and it's what we call the sweet ride design and that that was got that was done again by another rider called james matlock he's going to do some more cool designs for us this year but that's um i love that one i absolutely love that one that was that was kind of i said to him i want to do something that's got a candy skull on it and so he came up with this amazing design of it's it's sat inside a full face helmet and that and um and so we did that and then we've got one which is just ride and that's that's uh, that's uh, that was a sort of a take on the a, a praying hands with a rosary around it with a cross on and we changed we changed the rosary for a bicycle chain <clears throat> mm-hmm. and we did that one so that's some cool designs that we doing you know we're hoping that the way that we're taking the brand this year we can because whereas before you would come up with an idea, you didn't know whether it was going to sell or not. You'd have to put it on T-shirt and get stock and different sizes and that, and hope it would sell. Whereas this year we can we can play around with it. We can play around with ideas, and we can literally just drop ideas onto images of T-shirts. And if people like it, they'll buy it. If they don't, then we've not lost thousands of pounds in in stock. So we, we, that's that's the plan for this year. And you know, we, I've spoken to James Matlock, and he's he's going to do us some more cool designs this year so yeah that's mm-hmm. that's where it's gonna go this year yeah 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 i'm looking at the sweet raid prant no yeah that's very cool actually very yeah. cool i love that one we, and again we've managed to drop that onto <clears throat> a lady's t-shirt and hoodie this year uh, this year so but um hoping more more of the same for this year and, and we can just expand the range Mm-hmm. um and, and have different things in it and, and, and it's great to be able to like the vests for instance you know one of our ambassadors um uh he he kept asking me well a couple of our ambassadors actually kept asking for um sleeveless t-shirts you know because they had a habit of getting our t-shirts and i don't know whether they were cutting the sleeves off or just tucking them in but going out riding with almost like sleeveless t-shirts so mm-hmm. we've been out to the brand this year and 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 it's um it's great and they, do you know what just before the lockdown they were, they were starting to sell quite well surprisingly yeah well that's quite cool if you're getting rider feedback and then you can do that thing for the riders you know that's oh, very absolutely. cool yeah it's, it's it's that's what i mean for to going to the dropship thing even though it kind of loses a lot of that personal touch i mean i used i used to uh, a part of the whole thing was was you would get an order and it was great to be able to to pack that t-shirt up and and stick some stickers in the in into the uh the the, the bag with uh with a, a, the note saying thank you and i like that personal touch you know i know mm-hmm. i know tom at broken riders and um and steve at can't quit cartel you know they still do that and it's great it's nice to get your package and get a little thank you note in <clears throat> but um going to the drop shipping it, it it's going to allow us to to play around with things like that and you know if somebody comes to me and says oh look we love this t-shirt design that you've got there but you don't do it in you know neon pink do you it's like do you know what if you want a neon pink one i can add it to the range and 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 i can do that and and it's it's great to be able to do that and play around with that and see what works and see what doesn't Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and your your production there are those guys uk based that are doing all the drop shipping for you they're based in uh, our new our new suppliers are based in i think they're burnley um, I'm not, i was going to say blackburn but they're, they're up that way yeah um and um they they just they handle everything for you um for you know from they 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 pick they print they pack um well we are able to sort of personalize things um with them um so the, the the packing notes we can we can personalize and things like that so it's um i mean look if it allows us to if it allows us to build the brand over the next you know couple of years and um <clears throat> hopefully we can start looking at uh, investing into um stock 
for instance, and getting to events and being able to do that. Because, like I say, that's that would be the ultimate goal to to be at events. And um, do you know what? It, probably even if I didn't sell anything, I'd get a buzz from it. Just just to have you know a presence at an event, uh, you know, next next to some of the other brands. Yeah, but very cool. And you you could represent your local crowds and your your local guys there and your ambassadors and stuff. It'd be nice for them to have your stand there, also. You know. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, as far as lead times and stuff go, does it take more time doing it the dropship route than doing it yourself? Yeah, it does it. Yeah, it does a little bit. I mean, we 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 work on. I mean, we we live in a day and age of of, of Amazon and now, and and people expect things sort of instantly. But I mean, we work on uh, with five to seven working days turnaround. And that's what we work off. I mean, some items we can do a lot quicker. Some items, I wouldn't say slower, but um, <clears throat> we allow five to seven working days, and um, I think it. I think it works. It it seems to work. Um, I, I could I could put it on quicker. I could I you know I could because on our website it does say five to seven working days, but if I said three to five and then we started letting people down, that that would be the worst for me. So at least yeah. people are there, but. Um, some of the stuff that we can we can have it we can have it picked and printed and shipped within you know they can have it within a couple of days but um, we say worst case scenario is it's it's seven days shipped mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. yes, it's, you know I mean that that that's still pretty quick in my eyes it's because we live in an age of uh, of the Amazons and you know we can we can get stuff literally you can order something in the morning and have it in the evening yeah it's crazy man. It's absolutely nuts. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I can almost remember the old days where you used to have to fill in the thing in the frickin' a magazine and send it off, and you didn't see anything for 28 days. Yeah, send, send a check with it. <laughs> Postal order. <laughs> yeah, and wait for it to clear. Yeah, I know, I know. So, you know, it's... Like I say, we've, you know, we've... we've we, well, one, we've built a loyal following, um and you know we get we're gathering new customers and that and we i think i think we've got a good presence within within the industry you know i i do i do talk to people that you know there's oh yeah you know i've heard of it or you know i've seen it on and, and that and you know and, and it's you know it's um i mean it's, you know we're not massive i mean it's pretty much it's pretty much me um but i've 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 spoken to people in the industry. Um, Leah in Visiframe once he commented to me last year. He, you know, he, he perceived it as a much larger brand than it actually was, which is great. That's 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 what I want. I mean, obviously, I've just told everybody now that it's it's not a big brand and it's just me. But um, I've, I've I've pretty much built it up over the last four years from from nothing mm-hmm. to the point where people I think it's recognised within the industry. So you know it's uh, it's a good thing, and you know one of the biggest buzzes for me. We've shipped to Italy, um, New Zealand, um, Colorado, Canada, places like that, and that that's a massive buzz to think that you know somebody riding at Whistler, for instance, is wearing one of our t-shirts or hoodies. That's that's amazing for me. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's crazy how you these people can find stuff and with everything that's out there and the brands that are out there and, and that's pretty cool that that almost makes you what you know it gives you satisfaction it almost validates the thing for you you know yeah oh it's brilliant i mean you know when whenever whenever you whenever you uh, you get an order in your phone you get the ka-ching on your on your phone that you've got an order in that's great that's a buzz because <coughs> that's that's somebody telling me that they like what we do and that that's amazing um but then you know, when people receive the orders and they'll post a, they'll post a picture up on Instagram or Facebook and that, and tag us in on it. Again, absolutely amazing. It's brilliant. But you know, even even somebody putting a, st- a sticker on the, the helmet or or on the fridge or something like that, it's 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 massive for me. That is, it, it really is. It's absolutely massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. No. Well, you seem really passionate about it, anyway. And you would have to be because you work full time. Like how. How much of your spare time does six seven take? <laughs> Probably too much, my wife would say. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, now that now that we're drop shipping, uh, that's 
that's taken away a lot of the work because I'm not having to deal with orders. I'm not having to pick and pack. Um, I do, I still deal with customer services as it were, um, you know, making sure that people are getting the orders and they're happy and things like that. Um, and then, then the only other thing is unfortunately is the majority of our presence. Well, really it's all built from social media. So I'm probably on social media far too much, but it's, mm -hmm. Know, when, you, when you're trying to build a brand and um, keep it in, you know, in the forefront of people's minds, I find myself constantly having to be do go up at my, my phone basically and uh, and look at Instagram and posting things on Instagram and trawling through and things like that. So yeah, um, yeah, but you know, it is what it is. I love it. Um, it's just great. I just, I, I just love to have that presence at, at that event, and, and one day, one day we will do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that is that your end goal, kind of be doing that type of thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. To be, to be. I mean, yeah, it would be nice. I mean, my end goal, if I'm honest with you, is, um, is to not be doing what I do for a living full time, um, and, um do something with within the industry um i've just <clears throat> well i haven't just actually because it's been put on hold but i was just going through my level two mountain bike leader qualification oh, and cool. i was i was due to do my assessment uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, with ride lines up at glen tress um and uh obviously i've had to postpone it because of everything that's going on at the moment but the plan the plan would be to um is to get get uh, qualification as a as a mountain bike guide and try and do something with that somewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, would you would you want to do something like that locally or? Um, well, uh, no. Do, do you know what? There's, there isn't anything local to where I live. I'm, I live I live in Middle Earth, so um, it's um, there's not really that much riding. I mean, the closest for me really would be Peak District, which is about an hour and 45 for me, um, <clears throat> things like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, we've, we've talked about m making a move up to Inerleathen and setting up some kind of business there whereby we, you know, we had a guest house and um, we could run mountain bike holidays from there. We've talked about that. We've talked about doing it in Yorkshire Peak District. Um, we we actually talked about doing it in France at one point, but um, the whole it's it's a bit tricky out in France now, isn't it? With the whole um, qualifications and insurance and all that sort of stuff, the French yeah. the French authorities aren't very keen on you having British qualifications. You need to have French. But you know, it, you know, even um, even some in Spain or something like that. I was I went out to do the EWS qualifier at uh, Sierra Nevada last November. I went and uh, I went and stopped with the guys at Ride Southern Spain, and they've got they've got an amazing setup there, um, doing mountain bike holidays from there, and you know that's 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 got to be a dream sort of job, really, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a massive part of the industry now. You know the whole holiday thing. A lot more people seem to do it, and um, it just seems to be really popular at the minute. You know. I mean, yeah. I mean, why, why, why wouldn't you want to do it? You know, you, you go and you go and stop somewhere in the mountains, and, and you know, you get up and somebody prepares you breakfast, and then somebody takes you up, up the trails and shows you around the trails, and you ride all day, and you get back, and somebody feeds you, and the next day you you do it all over again. Aye. You know, what you know that for for me, I, I don't like sitting on beaches anyway. For for me, that's the ultimate holiday. To you know, to to get it, to go out and do that rather than um, rather than do that. I mean, again, my, my poor old wife. We we went to the states three years ago for honeymoon, and she I promised her faithfully that no bikes would be involved. Um, but then <clears throat> I'd, I, I managed, to, managed to get myself an entry for the EWS in Ireland. And so, and it's the weekend after we came back from our honeymoon, three-week honeymoon in the states. So consequently, I ended up hiring bikes when I was out there, and I, I went and rode at Moab, and I went and rode in at Santa Cruz, and because you know, just just trying to keep my legs spinning over. So, and ultimately, bikes were involved. And then we talked about going to Madeira this year, and you know, she said to me, "Are, are the bikes involved?" I said, "Well, we're going to Madeira, so probably yes." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I, Madeira looks amazing. It looks absolutely amazing. Absolutely. It's it just, uh, yeah, I, 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 I need to go and ride it before it's too late. I totally, man. Well, I think if you went there, you, you wouldn't want to come back. You would just stay. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah, I was going out to California uh, on the 2nd of May for two weeks, and I was hoping to get some rides in while I was out there, um, up around Big Bear and around that way, but um, obviously that's not on the cards anymore. No. Um, it's yeah you know i i actually haven't read the mountain bike anywhere really i when i tend to go away i've got two or three mates and we just tend to go snowboarding every year so when i get away for a couple of weeks at snowboarding and i haven't done the mountain bike thing yet really but ah oh, there's so many good looking places it's just unreal absolutely yeah i mean i've, I've done i've done leger and morsey into death mm-hmm. i think um like you know there's so many other places in the world i, I want to get back to moab when when we when i rode in moab we were passing through i literally had a couple of days so i went and hired a bike and um and went off and rode the slick block trail just literally because you know if you've if you've got a morning to kill and you're passing through moab slick rock is it's kind of all it's it's like the holy grail isn't it mm. there's, there's lots of other trails there amazing trails but slick rock was kind of v1 wasn't it back in the day so i went and rode slick rock and i want to get back there and 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 ride more there i mean the riding there is it's another world you know to to ride on that stuff is it's crazy it's like riding on sandpaper uh, the grip that you get is ridiculous but um wow yeah it's it's it's, it's so I, I want to go and spend at least a week there riding so yeah yeah sounds like a plan man what are you riding at the minute what bikes do you have it's all giant I'm on. I'm on. Uh, I've, I've just switched to 29 on the. Well, actually, last year I bought myself. Um, I was on a, a rain 27 and a half, um, a giant rain 27 and a half last year, um, and then <clears throat> I bought myself a cross country bike just for kind of something a bit different for training on and for winter rides rather than rather than wrecking all the uh, linkage bearings over winter. So I, so I got myself hardtail, and it's a 29er. And I started, I started to think to myself, you know, this this rolls really well. You know, what would this be like with 150, 160 mil travel? Um, and then um, through my local dealer, Giant Leamington, um, got talking to them, and Giant had just released the Rain 29er. So <laughs> I put my name down and I waited. I waited patiently for four months and it turned up and um, so yeah I'm on the rain 29er now and it's um, it's taking some getting used to um, but I think think I'm getting there with it now um, but it's oh, when it when you let go of the brakes and it rolls it just rolls forever it's it's unbelievable piece of kitten. You point it in a straight line over roots and rocks, and it and it, it's like being on an e-bike. It's like it accelerates over stuff like that. It's 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 amazing. I absolutely love it. Unfortunately, um, well, I managed I managed to get a ride. I went up to Eastridge in Shropshire on the Sunday before lockdown, um, and and that was my last ride on it. So it's only been it'll be two weeks on Sunday. So it's not been that long, but it it seems like a lifetime since I last rode it. I'm just I'm just getting out on steady rides on the hardtail at the moment on bridleways and things like that, but. Yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing bike. Absolutely love it. I'm, I'm, I it's, it's, the twenty nine thing seems to be definitely grabbing popularity, and I think the brands will start going that way more so now. I think you might see the twenty seven point five dropping off a little bit in some of the brands. Yeah, it's a, it's a different it's a different it's definitely different riding style. I mean, I I struggled with it it felt it felt like i was too far over the front all the time i don't know i don't know whether it's psychological because it's a bigger wheel and it, and it seemed closer to you or what but it's it, it true i you know i always felt like i was too far over the front front end and i need to get off the back more and things like that but mm. <clears throat> I, I feel like it's i feel like it, it it's coming um i wouldn't say i'm 100 percent there with it yet but i love it i absolutely love it i wouldn't i wouldn't go back just literally mm. because because, like I say, when you let off the brakes over, over a, a rock section or something, and you just hang off the back, and it just goes, and it and it, it really just depends on how big your um, 
you'll go now, really, and have fun. <laughs> yeah, man, I must, uh, I, I haven't, well, I've been out on one once, really, for a day. Um, I haven't done anything else, so um, I must check that out when I get back home, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think with the, with the way the way technology's gone and the geometry on bikes and things like that, it's, um, <clears throat> you know, obviously, 29ers have been around for a number of years now, but the, the early 29ers, because I think it was Giant that went 29 and then they backed away from it, didn't they, for a mm, bit? Mm-hmm. Um, and But I just think with the way that technology has moved on and that, you know, they sort the geometries out. I mean, this this thing is, I mean, it's 160 up front, but I say only, it's only 146 on the rear. But mm. you you don't notice only 146 on the rear. God, I was racing downhill back in the day with probably 100 miller truck if I was lucky. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's, uh, but it's, um, they're, they're amazing, just absolutely amazing. But, um, you know, where, where were they? I mean, it's been great for the industry and the fact that, you know, people have gone from 26, 26 will never die, um, to 27 and a half to 29. So, I mean, that's, that's, it's helped to keep the industry alive. People will probably, uh, chastise me for saying that because, you know, it's, it's probably industry led, but, um, you know, it's, things move on if things didn't move on we'd all be riding penny farthings that's true very true yeah Yeah, and it takes these things it takes you know it doesn't all happen at once it takes these these different moves and these different things to happen it all it all evolves you know what i mean yeah i mean i don't know i don't know how you know i don't know how i'd get on with um a 29er i mean i'm only i'm only five nine anyway but for smaller riders but you know you you see um What's the name that won that won the EWS Women's last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, she's tiny. She's tiny. And she's on a twenty nine er. Is she and, riding a twenty nine er really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's on a twenty nine er. Yeah, wow. somebody will probably correct me now, but I'm 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 pretty certain she's on a twenty nine er. Yeah, interesting man. Yeah, so it's, um, mm. but like I say, it's all it's it's just down to you know how, how things evolve and um, the, the geometries and everything thing people are working with. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. That's true. They'll make it work. They'll make the they'll make the twenty nine er work on smaller frames if that's what has to happen. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Well, but listen, thanks so much. I don't want to take up any more of your time there um, because I know you're going out for a ride now. You lucky devil. Yeah, um, so sun's come out, so I'm going to uh, slip into my shorts and uh, and go and have a spin on the XC bike. Awesome, bud. Awesome. Well, listen, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate you coming on and having the chat with us and coming on to the podcast. Um, it was great to learn a little bit more about 6-7, and I hope everything sorts itself out and you, you can get producing again and get that brand out there, bro. Yeah, well, you know, like I say, this this thing isn't going to be forever. We've just we've just all we've all just got to pull together, ride the storm, and we'll all be back out in the mountains on our bikes uh, before we know it. And um, hopefully, um, you know, we can start start selling funky t-shirts and hoodies to more people. Good, dude. Good, good. I look forward to it. Well, I'll be keeping an eye on your socials and seeing what you're up to there. And how can people find out when you're selling again? How can they follow you and just, see what you're doing? Just follow um, Six Seven Factory Racing on Instagram or Six Seven on Facebook, and obviously we'll be making announcements as and when we know that we can uh, we can supply. It, it, I mean, it was just it was just a call on that. You know, we could probably the website is still up and running www.67.co.uk. But what we're saying to people is, you can go on there and window shop and dream to your heart's content. If you want to place an order, you can place an order, but we can't. We, we're not going to be able to ship until until this is, this lifts. So we, we wouldn't want people uh, being disappointed and let down. But um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was just a call. We didn't want to let people down. It's not it's not what we're about. So um, we we thought it would be a better call just to just to pause things for a while until until the dust settles. Yeah, yeah, good thing, good thing. All right, Paul, thanks so much. Enjoy your ride this evening, and um, I hope to speak to you in the near future. But as I say, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, bro. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. I look forward to listening to it. 
that's a wrap for episode 135 folks i hope you enjoyed that and paul thanks so much for coming on the show i really do appreciate you coming on the podcast having a chat with us filling us in on what's going on there via lockdown times and everything else so it was great to get you on sir and i hope 2020 starts to get rolling the racing starts to come around and you can open up your website again and get things rolling there with your new designs and stuff i'm sure you're very excited about it so good luck my friend now, folks, if you want to know more about Paul, about 6-7 Factory Racing, just simply go to the show notes, mtb-tribe.com. You'll find quick links there to what Paul's got going on on the socials and stuff like that. And you'll find out a little bit more about what we chat about on the show notes there. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to help support the podcast, the best way is by simply subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people, hopefully getting people off sofas and onto saddles. But if you're not on Apple, don't worry, you can find and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify and Podbean. We are on most podcast platforms, so whatever you use to listen to your podcast, you should be able to find us there just simply by searching for MTB Tribe Podcast. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete bike catalogue, listen and download every show. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. We also have the old social platforms, of course. We're on Instagram and Facebook. You'll find us at MTB Tribe. And please share the show with people, share the posts there, because the podcast grows organically we don't have any sponsors anything like that it's all free so please share it really really helps the show via word of mouth so thanks so much for doing that now thanks once more for tuning in this week i really do appreciate you guys getting involved so until next week stay safe stay locked down if you have to but as always stay mtb stoked